Welcome to the CanoeRaceWorld.com podcast, your home for everything related to marathon canoe racing. Now, it's time to get your paddles wet with your hosts, Kevin Olson and Bill Mahaffey. Take it away, boys. Welcome back, race fans, to another episode of the Canoe Race World podcast. I'm joined today by my co-host, Rebecca Davis. Of course, this is Bill Mahaffey. Rebecca, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Uh, It's a little chilly out there, but looking forward to the last weekend of ski racing for me for the season. And then in two weeks, I'm going to be down in Florida. So Yeah, Four Bush Freestyle, Hanson Hills Classic, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, I like the local races the best. So these are kind of my favorites. And even though I don't live in Grayling, a lot of people think I do. I live about 200 miles south, but it's nice. Feels like a home course just because we ski up here so often. So what about you? Absolutely. A little bit of home cooking. So full confession, I have only skied, been on the snow twice all winter, but I do have this hankering to classic on Sunday because I think the temperatures may cause a little bit of chaos. Yeah, I don't know. It. I've got the bug. All right, I'll just leave it that way. I've got the bug. Yeah, we'll see. Hey, who do we have on the show today? I know we got a couple of special guests. Yeah, so today uh, we have Cecily Boogie and Caitlin Minar. They're two of the very strong women's contingent from Texas. Today they're going to tell us a lot about Texas racing, which is about the only canoe racing except maybe outside of Florida that's going on right now, at least in a marathon canoe, kind of give us some heads up on what they have going on down there. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds fun. Well, welcome to the show, Cecily and Caitlin. We are glad to have you both. Glad to be here. Thanks, guys. We're happy to be here, too. Absolutely. I guess let's do a little bit of background, right? Cecily, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about you. What's your favorite race, favorite canoe racing memory? How long have you been paddling and like just spill it? So I've been paddling for most of my life. Both my parents have been racing since the late 70s. My dad's done the safari the most out of anyone. I think this year it'll be his 42nd finish. Yeah, I've been racing competitively since I was like 13 or 14. I guess my favorite race is the safari, but out of the big ones, I don't know. (laughs) Okay, right, right on out of the big ones. No, and that's that's awesome. I've heard some great safari stories over the years. I'm fascinated by it. Absolutely fascinated. But it scares me a little bit. Like, what's your favorite memory of the safari? And then, like, what's your, oh, man, like, scare Bill away moment? (laughs) So I think my favorite memory is when I finished with my dad. So it would be my second safari. We, I was 15 at the time. It sounds weird. But, like, we were crossing the bay. And, like, when we were crossing, the sun was rising. And I was, like, really upset with my dad. Because I was just, like, annoyed with being with him for that long. It was just, like, a beautiful sunrise. And I was, all right, this wasn't too bad. Like, <laughs> but I think that was, like, my favorite memory. And then my least favorite memory is from 2016. There's a section, like, that's full of log jams. It's really nasty. And me and the two other girls I was going with, we were in there for, like, eight hours. And it was terrible. And... I, like, definitely blacked out during it. Like, I passed out, and then when I woke up, I was like, I don't know what's going on. Like, one of my teammates was throwing up. <laughs> one of the other ones, like, I don't know. It was just a mess. 
and it's like it kind of feels like a fever dream but that's definitely my least favorite memory (laughs) (laughs) that that sounds rough I know I can definitely relate to the family being some of the best memories for racing and also some of your worst but or some of your toughest moments but that uh that whole like eight hour fever dream and a log jam I I don't know about that (laughs) yeah I definitely like I my favorite year was definitely with my dad just like you don't get to spend a lot of time with your parents like that I don't feel like you know it was just like him and I for 45 hours so (laughs) it it was cool also really annoying but also like really good so yeah and Caitlin Caitlin what about you What's your so, favorite race? How long have you been paddling? Any good I, stories to share? This year, actually, 2022, I've been paddling for 10 years. So that's pretty exciting. Only been into marathon paddling for about the last five, though, which Kyle and Logan got me into when they started going up to the Osable. My Yeah, my favorite race might be the Safari as well, just because it's what got me started but I absolutely love the marathon itself my favorite safari memory which is also one of my most annoying kind of like Cecily's is crossing the bay one year I raced with my brother and my dad and it was pretty rough like we were getting tossed around and you know we have waves breaking over our heads and my brother was quoting lines from master and commander um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he thought it would be crossing the bay with it so rough like that. And I wasn't having that much fun. But looking back on it, funny. So he um, had the presence of mind to do this, like, how many hours into the race? That one was a while. Just like, because that was a long time. I mean, we were out there for over 50 hours. I might be misquoting this, but I know the year that Ben Schlimmer went with Kyle and his brother and their team, they said that Ben was just like loving it while they were crossing the bay and like hooping and hollering about how much fun he was having. (laughs) I think, I mean, the only similarity there is it was both of their first race. So maybe if you don't know to be scared of the bay, you're having fun. (laughs) But they were enjoying it a lot. The bay is definitely like the most fun, but also the most terrifying yeah. part of the race. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know, it's a whole different part of the race. Uh, like, all right, so walk yeah, walk us through the bay, right? So paint us a picture. Like, what's the bay like for somebody that's never experienced the bay before? Okay, so when you are getting to the bay, it's kind of amazing because the river gets really small. The river just kind of starts shrinking down, which you wouldn't really expect because you're about to be dumped out into this large body of water. You are getting closer and the river is maybe 20 feet wide. And then it's just the most beautiful thing once it opens because you just go from the river to the mouth of the bay and it just spits you out and you're just out there in the, you know, the ocean. And it's that is really really beautiful like just kind of a sight that you don't get to see very often um just that vast expanse of water not seeing a lot of land anymore and it's it's very pretty 
And, right on. And how many? How? Yeah. How many? Go ahead, Rebecca. I'm sorry. Oh, I was gonna say, how many miles um, across the bay do you guys paddle? Uh, for just a little bit of background information with Safari, I think it's 240 miles approximately in length, and paddlers paddle straight through from San Marcos, Texas, to um, it was Sea Drift. Are you guys still finishing in Sea Drift, or did they move you? You are, yeah. You still finish in Sea Drift. Um, historically, when the race was first started, you finished in Corpus. So okay. you go all the way to Corpus Christi, it's like over 300 miles. But yeah, now they stop in Sea Drift. Um, the finish line has changed slightly over the last year, but it only adds about a half mile. Yeah. Um, so in total, like once you come out of the mouth of the bay, I think you have about seven miles to cross, but your conditions that you can cross in are so variable. So like it could take you an hour to cross the bay or it could take you 24 hours. Yeah. <laughs> and the, you have to cross a barge canal, which is the only part of the bay that you can't touch. Like if you flip out um, and that's usually where you'll see like the biggest waves in um, but the rest of it, you can, like, if you flip out, you're most likely going to be able to touch. So that's what, that's what I was kind of curious about was, like, what, yeah, yeah. what the depth situation was. And, yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah, Cecily's gone swimming in the barge canal, so she can tell you you can't touch there. <laughs> yeah, not a tin Can verify. <laughs> yeah. we, we actually got, the, that year, we got the Coast Guard called on us, like, during the safari because so me and my teammates flipped and we didn't realize like that there was a barge coming and when we flipped like it took us so long to recover that the barge was like about to run us over and um they called the coast guard and they had to talk to like the race director directors was like no like they know what they're doing like they're fine they finished like hours ago they're fine but it was also like I thought I was gonna die I was like I'm gonna get run over by this no one's going to be able, like, they're not going to be able to find me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that's awesome. Crazy, but awesome. I, I have to get down there and check that out at some point. Just have to. So, yeah. Bill, you're coming for one of our races, aren't you? Yes. Yep. I booked flights yep. uh, a couple weeks ago. I am looking forward to it very much. Other than the fact that you guys have things in your water that can kill me, right? You've got gators and uh, <laughs> snakes yeah. and yeah. I was yeah. somebody my, told me about fish that will hit me in my face, and I'm like, what? That's all true. Um, you're probably not going to be fortunate enough to see a gator on the race that you're coming to but the other two things could happen <laughs> and log jams we'll probably log jams and log jams great <laughs> no it's 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 i'm really looking forward to it wanted to check it out for a while and, and i think this is going to be awesome i guess while we're on that subject let's go into like texas racing how does your racing down there work like walk us through the year and the classes of boats and yeah so we're pretty fortunate to be able to race like year there's usually a race like at any point in the season it doesn't necessarily mean a lot right now we have three they're not even really races but they are races on town lake like six miles good like intro to the season to get warmed up just about any boat can race in it unless it's like a class specific race 
sometimes we have C2 races or sometimes we have solo limited. You know, it, but you can race just about anything you want to. Yeah. So, yeah, like what Cecily said, you can literally race year-round here if you wanted to. We have one of our organizations, Texas Canoe and Kayak Racing Association, kind of promotes all the races here. Um, they only put on a few of their own, but they kind of try to have a hand in just making sure that all the races are well supported and well promoted. And I want to say there's like 38 is out of 52 weeks of the year. So that's quite a bit. Um, and yeah, like Cecily said right now, just for four weeks, we're going up to Austin every weekend. Cause there's a race on the river through Austin, which is really fun. Um, and then pretty quickly, um, another race series of ours will start that I actually put on. So that's the max series. I assist in putting all those on. So that's a four race series. And then we'll have the prelim and the safari. And then there's just a lot of other small races in the fall. Um, definitely like the one really big one here in Texas. And I feel like a lot of people will do the races leading up to the safari, but after that, a lot of people don't race, like, most of the year. Like, I think the MAC race get a lot of people because that's on the safari course. Um, I guess the Town Lake races sometimes do, but... A lot of people tend to be done after the safari, for yeah. sure. And I think okay. we see that somewhat in Michigan, too, where there's, you know, the... the uh, races that are closer uh, or on the ensemble tend to get more participation. And then usually the earlier, you know, pre ensemble races get a lot more than later in the season. Uh, one thing I think that's really interesting that you guys do down here, which are down in Texas, which we don't do in Michigan. And I don't think they really do in New York or any of the other major hubs either is um, you guys can switch between canoe and kayak paddles like mid race. And mm -hmm. when we talk about like you guys can race any type of boat down there, like I know you race six man and anything down to solo. Um do you do anything bigger than that, too? I'm sorry. That was a lot of questions. but <laughs> uh, No, so six-man is as big as you can go. But, yeah, you're right. You definitely will be switching a lot um, between single and double blades throughout your race if you're in one of those type of holes that you can do that in, uh, which is really fun, really saves your shoulders. But... Um, yeah, that is, I haven't actually thought about that, that we're one of the only places that does that. But yeah, that is really nice to be able to do that. The It's kind of like, I feel like people refer to them as safari style boats. So like they're just kind of the heavier carbon fiber boats that are um, steered by the rudder. And they're a little heavier usually, but they can hit stuff and not have you know, a rock go through the side. Yeah. How does Definitely. that play in? Oh, go ahead, Caitlin. Oh, no, just we do have a lot of classes to choose from. You're right. So that can kind of, you have to kind of maybe sometimes pick one to focus on so that you don't either spread yourself too thin or 
you know, you want to make sure that you're trying to get good at one thing. Well, and, and, and like, just because you're going this solo and limited class doesn't mean you're like, same thing with a C2, you're not going in the same make or like this, you know, like you can have the Spencer Extreme or Atlantic or like, I don't know, like a lot of people race unlimited because they can race, like they can modify it just about however they want, except you can't go over six. That makes Interesting. Sense. I made I made the mistake of calling Atlantic a C1 one time. I won't make that mistake again. I apologize to the yeah. great people of Texas. <laughs> I think Danny did that a few times when we first met, and I was like, you're confusing me, because C1s and solo limiteds are not the same thing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you used to though. Like, Cecily's dad used to race nine-man. My husband, Kyle, has raced an eight-man before. And it's kind of amazing that you can get something that long to turn down the river and not to actually end up in one piece. Yeah. When my dad was racing the nine man, he said that when they'd be driving with you, would like pull up to a stoplight or something and the people in front of you would like look up because the boat would go over their car too. Like it was so long that it would go over the car in front of you, which is definitely not safe but <laughs> <laughs> that's i was about to say at some point how do you even haul that but i guess that answers my question yeah yeah i guess they figured it out i don't know yeah thankfully that's you a- can't our people still would be <laughs> <laughs> so now, when, did they, when did they change it to where you can only go with a six man or six person i'm I, sorry i think it was after the year my dad went nine I, I think it, it was pretty close to that because I think like so one thing about my dad is he tends to like to one-up everyone and so like when the other people were going eight he was like I'm gonna go nine or whatever and so I think that after, like because of that they're like well we don't want like 10 or like 11 <laughs> like that's just getting ridiculous look we can't have a 28 man canoe out here yeah. it just can't happen unlimited yeah. I'm sorry yeah how do you guys split your time training uh i uh, i think in texas you say doubles for kayak paddling and singles for canoe is that like a something you have to think about balance wise uh you know safari wise versus if you're racing any other uh canoe focused races in the season yeah definitely so like if we were going to be doing the safari this year we would be trying to spend um, several hours on doubles at a time, just because that's something that you're going to do during the safari. So you want to make sure you have like those mechanics down and that your shoulders are going to be able to withstand double blading for that long. So we would be trying to do that, um, as well as singles. And then the whole exchange of singles to doubles, you really want to practice because if you it can take a lot longer than it needs to. So you want to be quick with it. Um, I know like Cecily and I have both gone multi-man before and we do spend a lot of time practicing that just to make sure you don't waste any time during the race with just picking up or storing doubles. And thankfully they fit together really well. So there's some creative ways to store them and they're super light. So you don't really even notice that they're there. But I feel like during a race we always plan or during the safari sorry 
we plan on doubling a lot more. And then as everybody gets more and more tired, that plan goes out the window because doubling is really hard. This year, or I guess in last year during the safari, um, I went in a five woman team and we doubled like 10 minutes of the whole race. And it was to the point where we probably shouldn't have brought them because it was just like a waste of space. But um, but then, like, Danny's team doubled probably, like, 70 or 80% of the safari, so. Yeah, I know, like, my husband Kyle's team, they'll typically double, like, a significant majority of the race, and they're just really fast and strong on them. And one thing I think that's a little interesting about the safari is, to me, it's, like, supported, but kind of like supported light you know at the asabo like your feeders have everything except what you need for the next two hours you know as far as like lights food paddles like if you need something extra they get it for you clothes um i think the safari is a little bit different with that definitely it's very different so in the inception of the safari it was i don't know if you would describe it as more of an adventure race but they wanted it to be an adventure like a fully supported adventure you used to not even be allowed to be given water um so i don't know do you know when that changed i'm not sure when that changed no i know that al whiting race when you had to get water still like, like when you, you had to find your, find own, your own, water. own water yeah there. so you used to not even be able to be given water so at some point that changed and you could be given water and ice and then tragically in 2012 with the death during the safari and so they reevaluated that rule to where that now you can be given food and they've allowed medical supplies so like if you cut yourself you can be stitched up or if you're severely dehydrated you can be given medication for that but if you're just like my back hurts they're not supposed to be allowed to give you like Advil um but definitely like they can't give you clothes they can't give you a spare paddle if you break one they can't I mean that's the same in the marathon but like they can't perform a repair for you um they try to keep the race like as true and pure to its original roots as they can with and because it makes it harder um so they they want it to stay that way and it's over a hundred degrees while you're doing this so (laughs) it's just super impressive (laughs) last year I got over a hundred I can't remember but it was really it was really hot but the the whole year like we didn't get a lot and so I think that it just felt more hot than it was because we it, it stayed I mean cold for like Texas standards for through like April even May and then I feel like it's part of the first, like, really hot weekend that we had dealt with. Yeah, that's been unfortunate about the last few years. It seems like the safari has been the first hot weekend, like, where it goes well over 100 or just really hot. And so nobody's prepared for it because it, it's happening later and later. Which is, I mean, I feel like typically the girls do better in the heat and that kind of, like, lack of preparation I guess and so it benefited me I guess because they got you know guys go when it's hot more than like girls do oh yeah you're, you're talking about racing in a hundred degree temperature or anything close to it I melt 
like I'm gonna throw that out there right now. We Amish are not tropical people. Like nope. <laughs> so you definitely but we have ways to like cool ourselves off and like so we get ice packs um and like put on your neck or like however you want it and then um you like you wear hats that well I wear a hat that like has a flap on it so I can get it wet and then it'll like cool, like cool my it also protects you from the sun and then just about any time you get out of the boat like I always try to go all the way under because your head is like your regulation for heat and coolness I guess and so like if you get your head your head wet it's going to be a lot better but you just have to be aware of like your body and like be aware of body maintenance in that kind of weather I've noticed, uh, actually, this really sticks out to me. So usually when you see people doing the safari, they're like in long pants, long, you know, light colored shirts, uh, the hats with the flap to cover the neck, um, sunglasses, like the whole thing, a lot for chafing, for heat, man- you know, body temperature management and uh, sunburn and all of that makes sense. And I vividly remember seeing pictures, probably lots of pictures of Kyle Minar wearing board shorts and like a <laughs> nylon tank and a backwards yeah. baseball cap like all night and I'm like how I, I just can't even imagine like how fried you have to feel at the end and he looks totally fine it's amazing <laughs> a lot of convincing to get Danny to not wear a bro tank during the safari I was like Danny like it is gonna be hot and like I know that you don't burn as easily as like I do because he's more like darker complexion but I was like the heat just takes a lot out of you and finally I convinced him to wear like a regular t-shirt he didn't do a long sleeve but he wore the the t-shirt or I guess a Patagonia t-shirt yeah I don't think Kyle wear tights during the safari (laughs) but he's just kind of a different breed than most (laughs) he doesn't ever look tired after the safari (laughs) like one year for him uh, Chris Eisendorf <clears throat> joked about that they could finish the safari, go back, drive back to San Marcos, do the safari again, and still make it under the 100 hour time cap. And they like seriously almost did that. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> yeah. Twice they're, the they're, fun, I guess. <laughs> they're definitely the people that could do it too. Like, yeah, they totally could have done it if they wanted to. <laughs> So I believe the safari is mid-June, and if the if the rumors are true, um, I think Caitlin and Cecily, you guys are going to race the Clinton together. I don't know if you're doing both, but that's a pretty quick turnaround, um, and I think there are some Texas athletes who, who will, right? And how, how do you manage that? Yeah, that, that is difficult. So Cecily and I are doing the Clinton together. Um, as of right now, neither one of us have safari plans. Um, I've done both once. And yeah, it's difficult. But I think you just are actually a little bit more prepared doing both because you know that your time is going to be taken up. So you can't put things off like getting your jugs prepared or your boat ready. Um but we do have a lot of people this year who are going to be, well, we probably have like five people who are going to be doing both, both races. That sounds, seems like you must be pretty organized because I feel like at least 
and maybe it's different down there, but some of the guys up here struggle to get ready for like one race. So getting ready for two that big, that close together would probably just mean they just like wing it completely. <laughs> I feel personally attacked right now. I think with the safari, like at least for the most part, everyone knows like, cause it is pretty much self-supported. And so you like try to train with the stuff that stays in your boat, like throughout the training season. So you can get used to that kind of weight and like figure out where you want things. But, like, so that's kind of done, I mean, usually by the time the race comes, but it's, like, getting your food ready because you have to have however many hours worth of food, and that usually takes the longest, for me at least, especially because, like, like, for the most part, you get what you get, and, like, I don't know what I'm going to do, you know? I mean, I kind of do now, but you have to figure all that out. But it's not, for me, it's not too bad, I guess, but... Maybe I've just been lucky to have other people that does all the other stuff for me. The one year that I did both, I remember leaving the Clinton having like a pretty sizable blister. And I was like, sorry. And like, this blister isn't going to go away by then. So that was really the only thing that I remember being really hard about doing both. I think it's 11 days this year in between. So you have less than two weeks. Yeah, it's wow. pretty quick. That's a, Maybe man, that's a brutal turnaround. What a what a back to back. With the travel yeah. in between too. I mean, that's yeah, that's a big travel. Well, even yeah. with like the safari and the marathon, like I feel like that's pretty tight. I guess this year it's like seven weeks, but like last year it felt like there wasn't too much time in between, like six weeks. But that's a lot different than eleven days. Which I guess those are, they're two bigger, they're, both of those races are bigger than the Clinton, but they're longer. Sure, sure. Let's, uh, let's move on to the, the emergence of women paddlers in Texas. Um, walk us through what's happened down there, because all of a sudden the, the Texas ladies are definitely on the radar, right? Um, I, well, I would say there's like, I don't know, maybe... 10 ish of us right now that are like pretty competitive and like last weekend we had a, a mixed race which some can say that the guys helped out but we <laughs> almost beat the guys teams that were there too and all the guys team like the two men's c2 teams all of the like all four of those guys have won the safari before all of us beat one of them and all of us almost beat the other one like by a few seconds um, so we're definitely, I think, making a statement, I would say. Like, I think they're starting to realize, like, hey, we can be just as fast as the guys if you let us be, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, that, that, that takes a ton of work, right? And a, and a ton, of, ton of commitment to your craft. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's something that Rebecca feels pretty strongly about, too. Like, just trying to prove that you can hang with the guys but one thing that I really like about I don't know that you would say that it's about Texas but just about paddling with other women is that we're all really supportive of each other so I feel like we do a good job of like making sure we all out together and training together and we're kind of invested in each other's success so 
Like, I always want to see Cecily do well, even though sometimes she's my competitor and not my partner, but we're always working to make each other better. And yeah, we definitely do want to prove to the guys that we can be just as strong and just as tough and competitive as they are, Um, which I would say in Texas is maybe more difficult to prove just because the guys tend to like to stick together. So like you don't see too many teams usually going mixed in the safari. The guys really like to do their six man. Um, That's usually like almost always the big races at. And so they kind of stay together here in Texas. Um, And it seems like up north, because y'all focus primarily on C2, there's just a lot more opportunity to mix it up. And so, yeah, kind of like what Cecily's saying, I feel like now guys down here are starting to recognize that. So we're kind of doing more mixed races, which is a lot of fun. And I will say, uh, I think, Caitlin, you've hit on some really good points there. In my paddling career, maybe, geez, I think I'm going into my 14th or 15th season of really trying to race. Um, I've noticed a big shift in men that are willing to race mixed. I mean, there were always like, you know, spouses, even really good spouses that would do it. But for the most part, um, a lot of the the men weren't as comfortable racing C2 uh, with a woman, especially in a big race. And that just doesn't seem to really be true anymore. Um, they're starting to realize that the the time and the effort the women are putting in, the skills they're developing, are super valuable. So if you're sometimes if you're not getting your you know maybe first or second men's choice, you're like looking at the women to see, okay, you know who can I get, um, you know that that I can have that like really good race feel, and still have a you know and have like a good solid consistent race with that like actually going further down the list with men might might not get me there. Um, also I, one thing I've really noticed about women in paddling is we tend to be actually way more supportive, uh, than the guys do of each other. Um, we built, it seems like our relationship building is really good. And, and throughout the paddling community, it seems like the overwhelming majority of women actually do truly support each other. And it's so refreshing because I think in sport, especially like women tend to get their reputation of being kind of catty and and cutthroat to each other and I in the marathon paddling community it's just something that I haven't really had to deal with and I I love seeing that down there from you guys ladies yeah it is it's really nice I really enjoy it like we're all just yeah very supportive of each other you know I mean these are lifelong friends that we're making by investing all this time into paddling and racing and so it is just really great that that relationship is going to be there Um, definitely not to say though, that like, I think the guys, sorry, I do feel like the guys are some of our biggest cheerleaders. So like last week, this race that Cecily was talking about, um, you know, the guys are telling us that we're doing a good job. Like they're some of the first ones to, you know, give us praise once the race is over. Like when we, you know, meet up for sometimes like our group weekly paddles you know we'll tell the guys what our marathon plans are and they're like oh you guys are going to do so good y'all will crush it I mean they really they're super supportive of us too like they Mm -hmm. believe in us just as much as we do which is really nice because you know they 
I feel like they see that we do put in the work and yeah, like when we come up for the marathon, you know, they're all, what time are you sprinting? Like I'll be there, I'll watch. And they're super, super sweet about it. Yeah. And I'll clarify that a little bit. I mean, like the guys to each other, I think they're usually pretty awesome to the women, but sometimes the guys to each other are a little more like I'll play cat and mouse. I'm just going to be like, Oh, I really want to beat this guy. (laughs) You know, where, where the women are like very much like, no, we're just like, it's cool to, to have that supportive community. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I was telling Lydia and, and Caitlin the other day that like, yes, I'm competitive and like, yes, I want to win, but like, like Caitlin thing, I guess that if one of y'all beat me, like I can be happy about that too, which I think is really important, especially for like my own race. Cause if I'm sad that I didn't win or like I didn't beat them, then that like really sucks. If Even if I had a good race, like if you're, you know what I mean? Like, yes, I had a, no, I didn't beat them. But they had a great race too. And I think it's cool that we can be supportive and be happy for each other. Not that the men aren't, but. And I I think that says a lot about like uh, our ability to have longevity in the sport too, because you're really like kind of finding that internal motivation. Like I can have a good race and know that it's a good race without having to see a certain number on the, on the scoreboard or, you know, a certain number next to my name for the result. I mean, winning feels good. I think we all agree winning feels good, but I think because when you're racing women's, we don't often have that opportunity to, I mean, you can dream that you're going to win the race, but it, you know, it doesn't happen very often. It, it's never happened that a woman has won the Asable. So it sometimes is a little bit freeing, I think, because we can look at it and say like, I was in the best shape of my life. I had an awesome race and this is where I came out, but like, I can be proud of that. Or I think sometimes the guys get really stuck on that number. Yeah, I would totally like, a thousand percent agree with that that's definitely like how I always look at racing based off of the feel of it and yeah I'm not consumed by the number and yeah like I know I can never win the ensemble so I I think that frame of mind yeah it's just it's a little bit different for a woman I don't know about y'all but I'm winning the ensemble this year (laughs) (laughs) yeah I so totally want to be like no it could happen (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I don't want to sell either of you ladies short either because, and I might have my stats wrong, um, but I believe Caitlin was on a four-woman team a few years ago that set the women's um, course record. So that could be up to a six-woman boat, but they did it as four, um, set the course record for a women's team. And were you, uh, I want to say they were fourth. And then Cecily was on a five-woman team that had an incredibly good time this year, um, pretty much all canoe paddling, and I believe they were fifth. So, I mean, you guys are in a race with, what, 150 boats and finishing in the top five? That's incredible. That's amazing. Yeah. She broke, she broke her record from 2015, so. <laughs> well, that's still, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've. We've definitely honed in the finesse of the safari. Know what it takes to whittle down those last few minutes off your time. I was going to say, it almost seems like maybe maybe you're on to something. Like, is there, (laughs) do you have a a secret that you'd like to share with the the male gender? Because it seems like you're getting closer. (laughs) 
I think it's honestly that we kind of practice the heck out of some stuff. Like we're willing to be patient and like just, yeah, practice something that's a little bit more mundane to make sure that we get it just perfect. Um, and yeah, just really drill certain skills till we know that it's as fast and efficient as it can be. Well, and I think this kind of goes with like marathon paddling too, but as women, we can't necessarily always rely on strength. And so mm-hmm. we have to rely on like technique and being, yeah, efficient and effective in sound like my dad my dad always says efficient and effective but it's true like if you can shave off a minute of a portage or like use less energy at a portage or whatever then you're going to be better at mile 230 than the guys that are like wasting all their energy on day one or you know whatever yeah I think that's so true um and you see that you know, pretty much across the board in racing where the women are really hanging in there at a high level, if they're in it at the end, um, they have a shot, even though on paper, we should never be able to out sprint a men's team. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, I know I'm not going to be able to beat Chris Eisendorf in a strength competition or, you know, like any of those guys, but I don't know if I can beat them in a technical thing either, but I (laughs) I could try. You could beat me in both. I just want the record to show that. Like strength, technique, either or, you got me. Uh, I was wondering if either of you have some advice for women starting out or just, you know, things that people are a little, uh, you'd like someone to know. So there's actually a women's team that's planning on doing the safari this year, and they've been showing up to these small town lake races that we have they're not on the safari course but they're showing up they're making friends they're putting in the effort and for me just showing up is a big deal um they're a novice team they yeah they're they're brand new but that's my advice show up like do every race meet people like you can learn so much more just by engaging yourself in the community than by trying to figure out everything on your own. Not to mention your experience of, you know, becoming involved in racing is just going to be so much more better, if so much better if you surround yourself with people. But yeah, that's mostly like what I want people to do is show up and have fun. I think also, and I, I like... Mary and maybe Rebecca have talked about this before, but like being able to race training in your C1 or training in a solo is like really beneficial, like for the technique, but also strength because you're not relying on the guys to like muscle you down. Not that they are, but you know, it's definitely different. I feel like this year I've trained the most in a C1 probably cause it's the first year I've had my own C1, but, um, I feel like way stronger than I have even last year or, you know, I, and I feel like I can read a river better and I know like how to turn a boat better, you know, it's translated in safari paddling and in marathon paddling. I think those are both awesome, uh, awesome pieces of pieces of advice for anyone starting out male or female. Uh, it's, I mean, you guys really, like, I'm so excited to have you on today just with 
all this good information you're sharing and um, know that Cecily and Caitlin are two of, of many of these super impressive women paddling in Texas. So I hope later in, in this season, we can get some more of you ladies on and uh, also uh, some of the guys too. I feel like, I feel like now that I've done some hosting, I'm like, picking all female guests but <laughs> I guess pick what you know <laughs> yeah absolutely um I can't say thank you enough for both of you coming on the show uh this evening um real quick any advice for Bill Bill is flying <laughs> to Texas oh. for the race for the night race any advice what do you got for me I'll alert are you to poison ivy yeah i have you no know? i i have no idea i couldn't tell you remotely no clue okay that means yeah so wait you, yeah with all this should i just cancel my plane tickets no no, no this is the <laughs> okay, okay this is this is my race that you're coming to i put this one on you're gonna love it it's so fun and you're gonna love the food afterwards yeah so um, Kyle and Logan's parents do a fish fry after the race, so you're going to finish this race in a small town. We have a party on the um, gravel bar, like once the race is over, you can just walk right out of your boat, have some of the best fried catfish you've ever had, and hang out with everyone and share your race stories. But you might need something to treat poison ivy and something to treat some cuts and scrapes <laughs> yeah and be prepared to get muddy yeah definitely yeah be prepared to get muddy and be prepared to get muddy okay yeah all right, all right. yeah we've definitely been getting some reports that this section is already a little gnarly and since we're not really forecast much rain it's just gonna get better so you'll have some long portages crawling around you know, log jams, maybe a dead animal carcass, <laughs> um, but you're going to have a lot of fun. It's awesome. Fun race, like in well, I am, I am really looking forward to it. Um, thank you again and uh, have a great night for everybody out there listening to the podcast. Keep the round side down and the paddles wet. Thanks, y'all. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the CanoeRaceWorld.com podcast, where we love marathon canoe racing and aren't afraid to say it. Be sure to visit the website at CanoeRaceWorld.com, and don't forget to support our sponsors who make this whole thing possible. Until next time, keep paddling. <laughs>